Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Well, it's mid-March. Daylight savings time is back. Plenty of time now in the evening to get out in the outdoors and enjoy what Maine has to offer. Uh, And the legislature has one month left to go to get their work done, or about one month. Uh, Lawmakers are wrapping up uh, the public hearing sort of portion of the session and work sessions on bills. Uh, before they go to the full house and Senate to be considered. So we thought it'd be a really good time uh, to get a legislative sort of status report from NRCM's advocacy director, Pete Didesheim, in this latest episode of Frontline Voices. Uh, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's advocacy communications director. And it's great to be back with you, Pete, to discuss our legislative priorities, many of which have been in the news lately. Hi, Pete. Hey, glad to be back. Yeah. And Obviously, there's been a lot of things in the news recently. I was just, of course, like many others, watching President Zelensky speak to the U.S. Congress earlier today, delivering a really powerful speech about the horror that's happening in his country. And that's on many of our minds, as it should mm-hmm. be, a uh, humanitarian disaster, an environmental disaster, really uh, a worrisome uh, development in human history. So that, of course, is on many of our minds, and we're paying attention also to many other things happening, including what's happening at the state house. Yeah, yeah, a real tragedy there. And like you said, it's just, um, I think people are just feeling the weight <laughs> of what's yeah. going on for sure. Um, well, let's let's shift gears to some um, to some news closer to NRCM and closer to. Maine, before we kick off the sort of legislative update part of the podcast, want to recognize some of the biggest news, at least from NRCM's perspective, uh, from the past couple of weeks, which is that our CEO, Lisa Pullman, has announced that she'll be retiring by the end of this year. Lisa leaves NRCM after an incredible 22 years of service, first as a board member, board president, then as our deputy director, and then 11 years as CEO. And of course, uh, we are all enormously grateful to Lisa for everything she's done for NRCM. Yeah, she's been a, a great colleague. Everybody, the organization's enjoyed working with her. She's got a well-deserved retirement coming, mm-hmm. and the organization is as strong as it's ever been. We've got amazing staff. We've got a strong budget. We've got a powerful, compelling mission that we're working on, and and we look forward to working with Lisa through the end of the year, and then we'll have a, a new CEO, only the second time in 40 years that we're uh, going to bring in a new CEO. So, Well, super, super exciting transition. Um, and I'll just note that the board, uh, you know, has already put together a search committee, and there's a link on our website at nrcm.org where folks can learn more about that process for sure. Um, okay, let's shift gears to the state house where several of our priority bills have already received positive vote. Yay. Pete, Yay. Can, can, yeah. Yay. can you give us a rundown of where things are at and where we're seeing progress? Sure. So this is an exciting part of the legislative process These this last month, uh, four to six weeks. Um, 
And there's many things happening. It's like a 10 ring circus. Uh, the committees are trying to wrap up all, their, all of the bills that they've had and they're just ramming through uh, work sessions, very few public hearings left, and then everything will go to the House and Senate where the, where the big important votes will happen. But we've already had some really positive outcomes. So let me just touch on those first. The Ecological Reserves Bill that we've been working on to expand the state's ecological reserve system, passed the House and Senate unanimously. It's gonna be on its way to the governor's desk next week. She'll have 10 days to sign it into law, and that's great news. Uh, this really protects some of the most significant wild places in the state. And so this bill is going to expand what we have there. A river reclassification bill also is on its way to the governor's desk soon. This bill is going to protect more than 800 miles of rivers and streams in the state. This is part of the regular water reclassification process uh, required by the Clean Water Act. And of course, this is the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. So we're pleased that this bill is going to be signed into law with those additional protections in the signature 50th anniversary year of the Clean Water Act. We're uh, delighted that the Environment and Natural Resources Committee defeated a bad bill that had been introduced that would have blocked science-based river restoration projects that involve dam removals. It was a bill introduced by uh, Senate President Troy Jackson. They've turned it into a study bill, came out of committee with a 10 to three vote. So the, the, the bill that's moving forward is something that we support. Uh, there's also a bill that we're pleased is moving forward. It hasn't gotten to the House or Senate yet, but I think it's on a pretty smooth uh, track. It's an electric vehicle bill that's, that's going to promote the purchase of electric vehicles at state, county, and local governments with um, pretty ambitious goals for uh, the purchase of new electric vehicles um, out through 2040. That passed the committee by an eight to three vote. There's also $7 million in funding in the governor's supplemental appropriations bill to replenish the electric vehicle incentive program uh, fund at, at Efficiency Maine. Our hope is that that's also on, on, a, on a good path forward. And then I'm cautiously optimistic that the bill to close the loophole in Maine's solid waste law that is allowing out-of-state construction and demolition debris waste get trucked daily, 16 big tractor trailer trucks a day, uh, bringing it into the state and ending up at Juniper Ridge. We're hoping that that bill also will um, make it to the governor's desk and be signed. It got an 11-2 vote out of committee. And so we're feeling, again, cautiously optimistic on that one. So that's pretty good. Five, five good bills moving forward. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great to hear and great to see that progress again on some of our priority bills. I was just just talking about electrical electric vehicles, I, I saw the news too that several of the transit agencies in Southern Maine are soon expecting some electric buses. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, both Metro and then the Biddeford Saco um, OOB Transit. So be exciting. I know that they're excited to get those and like test them out, you know, in Maine and through the winter. So that's so lots happening on the electric vehicle uh, front. Um, so Pete, there were also beyond those were sort of our prior, some of our priority bills we're seeing some great progress on. I, I know there were several other bills that have seen movement on that we support um, uh, and or, our, you know, priorities for many of our partners. Uh, uh, can you just touch on some of those? That, that, have, sure. that have seen progress, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a really significant bill to provide grant funding to schools to improve science-based 
climate education. Uh, and that bill has um, passed the House and Senate um, on party line votes. It's gonna end up on what's called the appropriations table. It has a fairly sizable price tag of $1.2 million, I believe. Um, it will be challenging to get as much money as that, um, but we're, I think we are uh, fairly optimistic that it will, there will be some funding and, and that's gonna be important to help equip the, the kids of today, the future leaders of tomorrow understand uh, the significance of, of climate and really be grounded in, in a strong curricula as they're going through our schools. There's also a bill to establish a main climate core uh, that also has got a somewhat of a high price tag. Um, that received unanimous uh, report out of, out of committee. It's gonna end up again on the appropriations table and uh, that's gonna create a, um, a climate core kind of like AmeriCorps and it'll be housed under the main commission for community services. And it would support uh, young folks mostly uh, that's who tend to, to pursue these sort of opportunities to work on uh, projects at the community level that are related to um, resiliency planning and energy education and um, regenerative agriculture and ocean acidification monitoring, uh, all of which there's like eight or 10 of these categories of work that all are related to climate mitigation or climate adaptation. And that's that was called for in the main climate Council's report, and it's also being pursued at the federal level. So it could be, it could receive some funding from the federal level. And then we also were excited by a, a vote that just happened um, this week in support of a bill also came out of the Maine Climate Council, which created an equity subcommittee. And that uh, subcommittee came up with a report and a really significant set of recommendations uh, to integrate equity considerations into the regulatory decision-making process at our natural resource agencies. And this bill would provide funding for individuals and groups who have not really had access to the process, um, either at the DEP or the Public Utilities Commission. So funding would be provided to environmental justice populations. It would require the DEP to adopt rules to ensure that environmental justice populations and frontline communities have fair and equitable access to the Department of Environmental Protection decision-making processes. So that's a really important bill too. And we think that that also um, stands a pretty good chance of getting some funding. Um, it also is gonna end up at the appropriations committee table. You know, what strikes me about those three climate related bills is it's just sort of illustrative of how deep uh, work on climate is in Maine right now. And, and like you said, in part, thanks to the work of the Climate Council and the Climate Action Plan, it is really, it seems to be doing what was intended, which was to spur action at, you know, all sorts of levels. At the um, education level in our schools, yeah. at the volunteer level, or the you know, kind of emerging professional level through the Climate Corps, and to ensure access and participation in the decisions about our policies that affect people differently. And really mm. for those who are disproportionately impacted by the by climate change, they need to be at the table and have an opportunity to voice their point of view as these policies are put into place. So yeah, exactly. All of Absolutely. these are good. Very cool. Um, okay, well, so next let's dig into some of those priority bills of NRCMs 
um, that still have some critical votes ahead or where the outcomes are a little less clear at this point in the legislative session? Okay, so one of those is going to be up for a work session this Friday. It's the uh, utility accountability bill. It was introduced by the governor, um, LD 1959, um, to hold our account our utilities accountable for for the fundamental performance obligations that they have. They've got monopolies. Uh, they need to deliver accurate bills on time. They need to restore power well. They need to contain costs. They need to to, to step up and Maine's utilities have been at the bottom of performance um, across the country. They've, they've uh, come in dead last in terms of, of um, evaluations um, of utilities. So they really need to perform or pay penalties or they should be replaced. And that's what this bill is intended to do. We've worked really hard with a number of other colleagues in the environmental community and the administration and a bunch of legislators to improve the bill that the governor introduced. And we feel we've reached an agreement on an amended bill that'll be um, voted on this Friday, we hope, at the committee level. And the most important part of the bill that is entirely new and added to it since it was introduced um, re will require the utilities, the Public Utilities Commission to pursue integrated grid planning to help design the modern electrical grid that we need for the future. And it will provide opportunities for stakeholders, for the governor's energy office, the public advocate, um, renewable energy companies to participate in that planning so that we have the sort of dynamic energy system that has or a distributed generation. We have maximum build out of charging stations and electric vehicles and um, storage. Uh, so, a whole new section of the bill has been introduced that we think is important and certainly has, deserved, has earned our support and many of the other uh, environmental groups that have been work, working on that with us. But we haven't seen the votes yet and so we have to see how that, how that proceeds. The, the, there's several bills that uh, we've been following and supporting related to Maine's tribes. The most significant one was passed out of committee, mostly on a party line vote this week. LD 1626, this is the Tribal Sovereignty Bill. Um, this is a really significant environmental justice bill that would pr um, provide the, the sort of self-governance and, and, and honor the dignity and, and wishes of Maine's tribes and uh, provide them with the sovereignty to make the decisions that they um, deserve to make um, uh, for, their, for themselves in self-governance sort of way. That bill, um, we hope will pass the House and Senate. We hope it gets to the governor's desk and we recognize that the governor has continued concerns about that bill. And we hope that um, when a bill gets to her desk, she'll sign it. Uh, there's also a bill that would um, provide improvements to the drinking water source for the Passamaquoddy uh, tribe. Um, and that bill involves some significant funding. Uh, and we hope that we've testified in support of that bill and there's a, a really insufficient um, water, uh, drinking water source um, for the Passamaquoddy's right now that needs to be upgraded. And, and so we're working on that one as well. And then just quickly, there's a solar procurement bill that we had hoped would be moving more smoothly than it seems to be right now. And it would direct the Public Utilities Commission to pursue some 
some uh, additional procurements uh, for large-scale renewable energy, we think that it would probably result in several hundred megawatts of additional grid-scale renewables uh, that would be very um, uh, inexpensive. They would um, they would likely come in at, at less than any other source of energy. And but there's some complicated provisions in that bill. It was in a work session this week. It's not. It seems like it was. Um, uh, unclear if the committee wanted to move ahead with that bill or not. And then, as I mentioned, all eyes still are focused on the budget, the governor's supplemental budget, which has, of course, the, the 7 million for electric vehicles and a number of other environmental provisions. But then there's all the, all the bills that require funding that the Appropriations Committee is going to need to make decisions on. Way more uh, requests for funding than appear uh, than there is available. So there'll be quite a bit of competition in the next month to for bills jockeying to, to make a claim on the money that they need to be implemented. So, and there's a bunch more bills, but these are the highlights. Right, thank you so much for that. For that. And, you know, talking about money, I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to end sort of this wrap up um, of legislative action by getting your perspective and an update on several of the legislative solutions that are be, being considered right now to deal with the PFAS uh, so-called forever chemicals pollution crisis that are facing Maine and in particular our farming families. Um, I'll just note here, many of our partners um, are leading the advocacy here, Defend Our Health, Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, Maine Farmland Trust. Um, I also know, you know, NRCM's board member, uh, Ben Whalen, who co-owns Bumble Root Organic Farm, testified in support of one of these bills um, that would provide some some money for pollution cleanup, but can you just give us a quick look at where these bills stand? Because I know it's something that's been dominating the news lately, understandably, and so therefore something that I think is top of mind for a lot of people when they think about environment in Maine. Right, so there was a bill that was in a public hearing, as you mentioned this week, uh, to establish a $100 million relief fund for farmers who face the prospect of literally losing their land and their livelihood because they've fertilized their fields with sludge from wastewater treatment plants that was contaminated with PFAS chemicals. Uh, these are the so-called forever chemicals that are a serious health risk. And, and the state is implicated here because the state DEP um, approved the spreading of this sludge for decades on farmland and they thought that they were, uh, you know, spreading this in a way that was going to just help fertilize their land. And now they are discovering that their land has been contaminated and it's not just causing drinking water issues and contaminating the soils, but it's, it's causing a threat to their, their, um, their crops and their cattle. And, and, their, um, and so this fund is aimed at providing um, uh, relief uh, to cover the crop losses and the herd losses caused by PFAS contamination to help clean up the soil and water and to relocate farmers and to outright purchase farms. And there would, there would be an advisory committee created to help guide how the money would be spent, but we supported this bill. Um, we were glad that our board member, uh, Ben Whalen, was able to testify in support of it. And the hearing included lots of farmers who heartbreakingly described the, the um, fears they face of potentially losing their farms and, um, and the worries they have of public health issues 
for themselves and their children. So uh, it's a big unfortunate problem that's not gonna go away anytime soon and is require quite a bit of money. And so again, this request for $100 million also will be competing for funding uh, at the Appropriations Committee in these next few weeks. Yeah, and I'll note, I saw, I saw that the entire congressional delegation sent a letter to the, um, uh, to the administration asking for help on this too, because I think heartbreaking is the right word for it when you read these stories about the farms yeah, and the farmers that are impacted. Um, well, thanks for that update, Pete. And um, we'll be sure to keep everybody updated um, on, on progress in the legislature. This status report has been really incre incredibly helpful to understand the lay of the land as it is right now. Um, as, and as always, it's exciting to see the progress on some of our priority bills. Uh, also a reminder that there's still work to do to get over the finish line for some of them. So I'll remind our listeners, you know, head over to nrcm.org to sign up for our action alerts. If you're not already signed up, uh, we'll be sure to be emailing you about how you can help us get these bills over the finish line. So thanks again, Pete, for joining us. Um, thanks, Colin. Yeah, we'll talk soon. And thanks to all our listeners. Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoy this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.